Today is November 9, 1989, and I am interviewing Melba Sweets for the Missouri Historical Society. Melba Sweets has had a multiple career as a teacher, a wife, a mother, a writer and journalist for the St. Louis American, where her husband, Nathaniel Sweets, was publisher. She has served on several boards and has been an integral part of the community. This tape is in addition to the tapes we have already completed. Melba, we've already talked about your early childhood in the mm -hmm. previous mm -hmm. tapes. Um, you brought up, uh, as we were discussing this interview today, you brought up uh, something that was important for you to talk about um, when you had been out at the History Museum um, talking to the children last year. Go ahead. Oh, I think I touched on it before, but uh, I was thinking of how contented all of us were. They asked the question. You said you oh, would you have rather have been? Would you? Oh you had, yes. Would you have rather? Did have you been? ever wish that you were white okay. when you were a child? And I thought that was such an interesting question for the kid to uh, present because it made me realize how contented we were and I think it was because we were so conditioned to being segregated that we didn't think about it. This is what I think that this evolved way late in life in the 60s when we became aware of what we might have been or what we might have done. I can remember as a child going to O'Fallon Park and sitting as contentedly as could be watching all the little white children playing in the wading pool. I loved that wading pool and I loved looking at them. But somehow, I never wished that I was white so I could be in that pool. <laughs> I never even thought about getting in the pool, you know. I just thought this is something for me to look at. When did you begin to think, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to go here, and I want to go there? I think that um, our life was so pleasant with the people that we knew and the fact that St. Louis, unlike the deeper south, you know, had so many places that we could go. We weren't restricted, as they were far south, in the libraries, on the streetcar, the bus. We didn't have buses, we had streetcars, we would ride the train. Uh, we could, so far as we were going north, and we never hardly ever went south anywhere, uh, we could go to the library, Shaw's Garden, Forest Park. That was, that was our life. It didn't matter. But when did you want to, when did you begin to think, this is, this is I not guess enough? That, uh, no, I guess maybe, um, perhaps in high school, I guess. And yet, we had, at Sumner High School, 
we had superior teachers, superior to the white schools, really, because, I mean, we had PhD uh, holders, degree holders, uh, because of segregation, they could not get jobs in the universities as white people did. So they were forced to come. So we had the finest teachers, um, much better than, I mean, the same level that you find in private schools today. In colleges. Uh, no, in, 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 no, no, uh, yes, in, in colleges, colleges, right. And um, so we didn't feel at all deprived there. We were proud of the people we had. And I had a particularly wonderful uh, teacher as um, when I went into teaching as an apprentice under Julia Davis. <laughs> I know you know Julia Davis. Who insisted on teaching uh, what we call then Negro history. So she instilled pride in us. And my father, who was an inveterate reader, bought all kinds of books that had to do with uh, black people. And this, I think, also made me feel superior to many of the people who would from time to time offer rebuffs. I considered the poor white trash. Uh, um, or I, you know, looked at them and said, gee, you don't know what you're missing. And there is something about it's a, a mystique. I, I, I can't account for it. There's something about us that in spite of everything that has been heaped upon us as a buoyancy and a faith, I, I, I guess it comes from way back in slavery times, the, um, the faith in God. I don't know, it's, it's in the genes, I think. <laughs> that may sound foolish. No, it doesn't sound foolish. But we never, and my little crowd that we ran around with, we, we thought we were pretty great people. We, but there again, we talked about before, about the color. Yes. That was unfortunate that we, again, this is part of our conditioning. Um, let's, since we did, we touched on the, mm -hmm. for people that are listening to this particular tape on the earlier tapes, we discussed the uh, differences, uh, advantages, disadvantages, feelings, and emotions of the different skin colorings mm -hmm. that people, uh, Negroes, African Americans, Blacks, uh, we're blessed Whatever. with, right? Um, so since we did cover, mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of the early years, and our purpose in doing this tape is to really get to what you did on mm -hmm. the newspaper and the the St. Louis American, which was one of, I believe, two or three black newspapers at that time. There were three, yes. At that time, there was the St. Louis Call. It was uh, edited was off 
shoot of the Kansas City call for a little while and the St. Louis Argus, which was an older paper, and later was the Sentinel, which is still in existence. Right. Now tell, tell me how you got involved with the St. Louis American. With the St. Louis American at the time uh, when I stopped teaching, it was uh, forced. <laughs> we weren't allowed to marry uh, and, and hold our jobs. Uh, married, uh, I mean teachers when they married had to do something or stay at home and be housewives. All teachers? All teachers, that was the rule. And uh, that was in 1937, that's when I married, 1937. Uh, Prior to that time, I had taught in elementary school, uh, third grade. Um, so that when I married, I um, always liked writing. That was always, English was always my major. And so it was just doing what came naturally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Started writing for the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I did all kinds of things for the newspaper, little articles. And rewrites and proofreading, everything. And then as a lark, oh, I forgot. We started the column in the newspaper wait. long before I was married. Okay, wait, wait just a minute. Now, your husband, Nathaniel, was the... He the came here as the advertising manager at first uh -huh. in 1928 when he just had finished college. He then became? And four years later, I think, maybe five, he became the publisher because it was a okay. depression. Now, you started the column, your we, column? We started your column. the column long before I was married. All right, and, and the name of your column was? <laughs> We're Telling. And how did you pick that? <laughs> you, can, you must know that it was... Uh, just a joke at the beginning. We couldn't even think of anything. Uh, we used to go on boat excursions, and and it started from a boat excursion one night that we're telling. I, I don't know. It it mm -hmm. just no. we're telling. Was it was it a serious a column at that time, or was no. it? No. At it, at first, it was just a um, an account of. Social affairs, social just social just affairs. And as time as we matured, and we thought that you know we were wasting our time talking about who had a bridge party and who came to visit, we branched out into other things, and it became what I call a hodgepodge mm -hmm. column. A hodgepodge of what, though? Of books we'd read, mm -hmm. places we'd been. Mm -hmm. Travels now. What can you? Was this the forties, the thirties? Yes, and um, it became. We even did a little editorializing once in a while. Now, when you say we, you wrote oh, this with a friend. Oh, we. Ha I had a friend. Her name was Thelma Dickerson. Mm -hmm. She was a teacher also. Mm -hmm. She. Uh, she was still a teacher. She. She never married. And uh, we used to sit right here at this table and with the typewriter and type this stuff up week in, week out. She would gather news from 
her co-workers at her school and I would spend inordinate hours on the telephone. <laughs> no, but uh, the people were beginning to, in the 40s, to, they were protesting a little. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a gentleman that worked on your paper that was also well known as a civil rights activist, and that's Henry Wheeler. Yes. He had a column, which I want to ask you about. But mm -hmm. um, did you put any of those things into your column? Was that part of Yes, the that was part of it. We'd, we'd go from one thing to another. We had many things that should, once one of um, the, my uh, former teachers said to me, who also helped on the paper, Hazel Tebow, said, you know you have things in that column that should be feature articles and you have things that uh, are, are too important but we, we we didn't feel that we had enough skill or whatever <laughs> to do feature articles at mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. well so what? we just stuck in things here there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how about uh, the publisher. <laughs> what was he giving you? Once, uh, do you guidance? remember Adele Starbird? Who yes. Wrote, who was supposed well, to I have a letter upstairs that she once wrote to me when uh, at a time when I was ill, and I shall never forget. I, I sent her some of the columns that I had written. I was lying up there for a long time ill. And uh, she uh, told me how much she enjoyed him, and she says, "You're so lucky to have your husband as a publisher." Is it to say some of this stuff would never get in the paper? Well, I don't, it, it could have not meant that. It could have been a very different kind of thing. Um, I think she meant that it was such a wide range of stuff. You know, that you it, had it a wouldn't free hand. be like that in a in a in the newspaper in a, a column. It's sort of like Bill McClellan does in yes. the post. We get off and picks people. what he mm -hmm. feels is important for that. So that it, it was very difficult to define what kind of column it was. That's why we called it a hodgepodge. That's what it should have been called from the beginning. Did you ever get letters from anybody? On oh, yes, yes. We what kind? Got, um, mostly good ones. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one that we were so proud of. You remember when they had um, um, used to the visitor's center. God, what was it? Um, there was a, hmm, I need to shut out. Um, All right, well, let me ask you a question. How often did the paper come out in those days? Weekly. Weekly. Mm -hmm. And was there a charge? Yes. Why isn't there a charge now? This is something new that has come about in the past, I would say, 15 years, I would say, it, because of the decline in, um, in readership of, of all newspapers, not only black newspapers, but all newspapers. Look at the Riverfront Times and the journals what uh, all all the journals you must get mm -hmm. Clayton Journal uh, we get Northside Journal um, it it 
was found to be profitable. That that was the change. Uh, you give away the more advertising uh, revenue is based on circulation. So if you can't get enough paid circulation, you give the papers away and you public put them all over town. Mm -hmm. So free. That's free. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Uh, was there were there particular civil rights issues that you did zero in on in the 40s? Oh, yeah, a number of them. 50s. But I think Benny told you about those. Well, no, I'm talking days. about your column. Oh, the column. No, we would just make um, references to um, who was sitting in, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, at uh, Six Baron Fuller's counter. No, I don't think they had a counter. Ten Cent Store, you know. We mm -hmm. couldn't even uh, go to Ten Cent Store at the time. And um, we'd say that so-and-so was seen sitting in, mm -hmm. and so-and-so was uh, in the hospital or in jail. Marion Oldham, for instance. <laughs> that was in the 60s. <laughs> what she had to say about the, oh, that's right, we're getting up. We're, oh, that's we're getting okay. too far ahead. That's all right. How long did you write your column? From before I married, let me see. That'd be in the 20s. From 30, uh, from maybe about uh, 1930. We I came back from college in 1930, in the 30s, early 30s, long before I married. So and when did on you stop? until we did them for more than a little better than 50 years <laughs> all together. In Where the 80s, we did it all up until. Your column ran yeah. for 50 years? Mm -hmm. Oh, Melba. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Covered a lot of ground. <laughs> Tell me how it changed. Did it change? It changed from being um, just lighthearted, friendly gossip to, um, oh, I, if I could uh, had thought I would have shown you at the, how it was worded by Margaret Bush Wilson when she had a surprise party for me on my 70th, 75th birthday. Oh, I forgot which year it was. It's later than that. Um, just a few years ago. And she described the column. I could even have got it and shown it to you. Well, <laughs> I thought of it. She said that this party was dedicated to the person who did a column, because she knew by that time that I was doing most of it. By this time, my a friend had gotten ill, and she was out of it. But we still kept the name Mel and Thel, where the, where all the, was the name still. Even after we sold the paper, I continued to do it until I got tired. Did you say her name on the tape, or was it Delma Dickerson? Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, how did it change? The column. Um, it changed uh, to. A conglomeration of um, of different things. We we talk about books sometimes. Did, did the issues? I mean, for instance, uh, did you write about the Jefferson Bank protest, or did you leave that to the editorial column? 
No, we would only make asides to it. As like I said, so we would so say so-and-so was mixed up in it today. This week so-and-so is on the street or mm -hmm. in jail or whatever. Right. Now, tell me about your involvement with the Pulitzer Prize. You were on a, you were on a committee? I was only named as a Pulitzer Prize juror. Okay. I did not win any prize. That's not <laughs> <laughs> I um, think I was the first black woman to be named to a Pulitzer Prize jury mm -hmm. through, um, well, I guess somebody at the Post-Dispatch, well, I know somebody in um, who asked me if I would like to be. That's how it happened. I mean, I, I didn't do anything special. To well, be, your reputation uh, preceded to, you. As I think that, as that the uh, column was read um, and uh, we had some recognition from the Post-Dispatch from time mm -hmm. to time, not the column itself mm -hmm. now, the paper. But we did have recognition from other agencies in the um, city that we wrote. And that was what I think I referred to earlier. One of the nicest letters we ever got was from the, the Convention Bureau when we described an event that was I think it was on the riverfront. I've almost forgotten what it was, mm -hmm. but we had a letter from the Convention Bureau that said that our comments, that the column's comments, were the best that had been written, which oh, nice. was quite a feather in our cap. Oh, and from time to time, advertisers have a way of clipping something out of a newspaper and just fastening um, a card onto it and saying, this is good, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, mm -hmm. when we would get off into civic things. So we'd do everything from civic affairs, more th and social affairs, and books and trips and travels, hodgepodge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. It sounds like you something you could do mm -hmm. at home. You could, yes. uh, you yes, know, it, did you right could fit here. it into your uh, Life. Mm -hmm. It was once a week, and, mm -hmm. uh, and you had a, a friend to do it with. And yes, and uh, this week, if uh, I had been doing a column, you see, I could have. Uh, I I went to Hilton Head, mm -hmm. and there was Dr. Sullivan, the the new black um, direct the cabinet member, Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm was there with his wife and he let the, the two of them led a early morning run for health <laughs> three hour three mile mm -hmm. which I did not go <laughs> but that's the sort of thing that uh -huh. we would if we were writing a column we would have you talked about it. Uh, tell me about being on the uh, a juror for the oh Pulitzer. well oh, I serve uh, each juror is uh, assigned to one of the classifications. For instance, um, I told him when I went that 
my um, reading speed was not equivalent to others. I couldn't, it's not a fast reader. So please assign me to something that didn't require a lot. So that I was lucky enough in Spirit Place to have the first time was editorials. Mm -hmm. And the next time was some cartoons. I went twice mm -hmm. and uh, found that um, well, it was very interesting a very interesting experience because the uh, chairman of each committee was always someone who was high level. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I wish I could call his name now. I can't. The, you mean man, the editor of the uh, Post? Aronson. No, at Newsday was the, the, the publisher of Newsday, I remember, was the second one, and I was the only woman. And uh, there are five on every committee, and uh, I mean each segment. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> we had these cartoons, and uh, they had instituted a new rule the second year that uh, it had to be unanimous. Oh. And uh, we couldn't be unanimous, and we decided we weren't going to do what we should. Oh, I have all the clippings. I'll show you. I have them in a book out there. Um, and I knew that this wasn't going to work. <laughs> I was the only woman. And I said, they're not going to accept it because we are not picking, we're not doing what we're in instructed to do. And uh, we, we did something else. I can't remember exactly how we did it, but sure enough, they uh, did they accept who? Uh, uh, no. No. You see, the board can overrule oh. the jury. So then the board voted on it. Uh, took took somebody else that we did. To, <laughs> we took. <laughs> well, it was a great experience. Must have been at um, Columbia University. You know, mm -hmm. goes on. Must have been a good feeling. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, tell me about Henry Wheeler and his um, column. Oh, he was um, a very interesting little man who um, was postal clerk, and uh, he spent uh, every day, uh, every evening, that the American Theater had. A play going, walking up and down, up and down, up and down. He uh, picketed for years in rain, sleet, snow, uh, because we were segregated to the upper to balcony. Okay. Uh, he had uh, uh <coughs> Henry Winfield Wheeler. Uh, marched uh, all the time, but the only time we really got into it was when we heard, I think maybe, I can't be sure, but I think maybe Mr. Wheeler told us that here was a woman who was willing to make a statement about uh, segregation, 
Now this uh, is an actress. Yes. Oh, the, she was the, the leading lady in. She, he we don't remember the play. The play. Okay. The play. This would be in the forties. Yes. Okay. Yes, in the forties when she was in her heyday. Okay. And yeah. she's uh, at the American Theater. Don't remember the play. It's at the. Uh, she was playing at the American. And I got the first time I ever used a tape recorder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Borrowed a tape recorder and went down with fear and trembling. I'd never talked to a, uh, a prominent actress. And uh, she gave us a very definite statement about how she felt about Blaine to an audience that she didn't know until she came here that. Um, that I couldn't see her unless I climbed up to the roof. Mm -hmm. And we had a photographer and put her picture on the front page and over it was never again. And she never came back to the American theater until the uh, ban was lifted. Oh. That was real exciting. I would say so. Mm -hmm. Good for, good for you, good for her. Um, as for the, the Pulitzer bit, I mean, I was, you know, proud to be selected. There was another black woman the second year, so from then on, I think um, Everett's Graham. Everett's Graham. <laughs> Everett's oh. Graham at the Post-Dispatch was the one that was responsible for my going. That just came to me. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, no, I, I really think that I, I, I did volunteer work from time to time, but when after the birth of my children, I think I did make the biggest contribution I could because um, they are now doing what I would like to have done with my own life. I mean, go ahead. You would like to be? I would like to have been able to achieve what is now possible for them that was not possible in my time. Now, my son is a photographic editor at the Washington Post. My daughter, after having held government position, urban league position, is now assistant editor of the magazine section of the Dallas Morning News. After being PR person and an award-winning PR person at for AT&T for eight years, I am proud that I taught them enough to get where they are, where I never could have been. <laughs> and now we're going to correct something that uh, Melville said on the last tape. She said that I asked her what she would have liked to have done with her life, and she said a nurse, and now she wants, would like to correct that. What would you like to do, what would you have liked to have done with your life, Melville? Oh, I don't know why I said that. Uh, I might have liked to have been nurse on the side, but I would not have not changed anything. 
I really think that marriage and the newspaper life, the newspaper business, opened up so many areas for me that I never would have uh, experienced otherwise. That's all. And I think you probably were a very helping person, mm. and sometime in your life you probably did have the urge to go the one step further and be a nurse. So <laughs> I, I commend you for your thoughts, and I thank you for your time, and I appreciate well, everything I that you said. And I mean, she, she wasn't divorced. She left.